Good morning, everyone. It's a, it's a very short reading. It's in 1 Chronicles 4, verses 9 to 10, and it's on page 404 of your church Bibles. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to you in pain. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks. Uh, yeah, it's great to be with you, and uh, yeah, shall we pray? Father, we thank you so much for your word, and uh, we ask that you would open up this little story about Jabez to us now. We thank you so much for the precious promises of your word, and yet we need the help of your Holy Spirit to make them our own, so we ask you to come and do what only you can do, that you would lift our eyes to Jesus. And please help me as I speak. Amen. Well, after the Capitol riots in 2021 um, in America, when a, a mob stormed the Capitol building in Washington, D.C., uh, Joe Biden used a powerful phrase from his campaign that stayed with me. And the phrase was this, um, this is not who we are. This is not who we are. It's a fascinating phrase to me because it shows that what we believe about ourselves deeply matters and that it tends to come out in how we behave and how we live. And therefore, what we believe about ourselves, who we really are, is of absolutely huge significance. Whatever we make of identity politics, um, there is a cry deep within every human heart that is desperate to know, who am I? And it's a subject about which God is not silent. He cares about how you and I see ourselves. It matters to him. And ultimately, it's a question that can't be answered without God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul, after listing the, the kind of the mess, really, that humanity has got themselves into. In verse 11, he then says this, and that is what some of you were. But he goes on to say, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. Or in Romans chapter eight, it says, there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through um, through the law of the spirit who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. So God cares about how we see ourselves. God cares about us getting hold of the gospel identity that he holds out to us. And today we're looking at, in many ways, an obscure chap called Jabez. And he appears in just two verses in 1 Chronicles chapter 4. And what's fascinating is um, the first nine chapters of Chronicles are really very long uh, genealogies 
uh, listing the various lineages of Israel and with a particular emphasis on David, who's the focus of 1 Chronicles. But such is the sort of a specialness, really, of Jabez that the writer feels the need to stop the genealogies midway through for a minute and just to honour him. And it says in verse 9 that Jabez was more honourable than his brothers. In other words, there's something about him that was different. There's something special here that the author wants us to take note of. And that's why the title for today's message is uh, that God has the power to change our personal story. That God has the power to change our personal story. So let's look at Jabez's story. So halfway through verse 9, it says that his mother named him Jabez, saying... I gave birth to him in pain. And what's going on here is there's kind of a play on words in the original Hebrew. And basically, Jabez sounds very similar to the Hebrew word for pain. But can you just think for a minute what it must have been like for Jabez to walk down the street and every single time someone says your name, for them to be essentially saying, hello, Mr. Pain, or here comes Mr. Suffering, or Mr. Misery. And add to that, can you imagine knowing that your own mother gave you such a dreadful name? And that in a culture in which your name was so much more than a name, your name carried social capital, and your name was an important part of your identity and even your destiny. And before Jabez had any kind of choice in the matter, He had a personal story about him, not from God, written over his life that said pain, misery, suffering. That's who you are. That's your personal story, and that's all you'll ever be. But what's amazing is that God breaks the cycle of brokenness in Jabez's life. God changes his personal story, and God does it essentially in prayer. It says that Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, and we'll look at his prayer in just a moment, but I think it's worth pausing at this point to search ourselves, because we might not have been given a name that means pain, misery, or suffering, fortunately, but maybe for someone has said something hurtful to you, and it just stuck with you, and it became this kind of awful, negative, downward voice dragging you down. And maybe a parent or a family member or a friend or a relationship, if you're honest, when you're up late at night, you sometimes wonder to yourself, what if that person was right about me? What What if that's all I'll ever be? And of course, in scripture, the devil is described as an accuser and a liar, constantly throwing the sins of God's people in their face and saying, see what you've done, see, do you really think that God could forgive and redeem you? Or saying, you know, you think God is with you, you're alone, you'll never be enough. Or maybe saying, you know, you're stupid or you're ugly, I don't know what it is for you. But it seems to me that we all wrestle with these kind of wrong beliefs that we internalize. And what's absolutely amazing about Jabez is that he teaches us that God is the kind of God who lifts people out of the lies they believe about themselves to stand in his truth. That God is the kind of God who can transform broken family dynamics, starting with you and me. 
I find anyway, brokenness so often runs in families. So people can say things like, um, well, the father figures in our family have always been emotionally distant, or there's always been someone you know, with a spending problem or with some kind of addiction, or I don't know what it is for you. But Jabez is teaching that by God's grace, you can be the person, I can be the person who stops the cycle of brokenness. I mean, can you imagine how easily Jabez could have allowed being given this awful name with its false prophecy of doom over his life, how easily he could have been defined by that and trapped by that and passed on that brokenness in his family. But no, Jabez teaches us that the way we beat the lies we believe about ourselves, the way we stop the cycle of brokenness, it starts with prayer. And I know that there's many of you in this church who have done exactly that. You've been the person who through your relationship with God has stopped the cycle of brokenness in your family in its tracks. And as Jabez prays, he shows us a God of AI, not artificial intelligence, but a God of abundance and influence. Abundance and influence. So firstly, a God of abundance. So verse 10, it says, Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. Jabez sees something crucial about God and what he sees causes him to reach out. A bit like that woman in Luke chapter eight with the bleeding and to say, if I can just touch the edge of his cloak, I know that he can change my story. And what Jabez has seen essentially is that there's a God of grace, a God of abundance who can change the story of his life. And a God who can reach even deeper than family connections and can say a bit like Biden said in that, in that sound bite, this is not who you are. And the episode concludes with those simple but powerful words and God granted his request. God was pleased that he'd asked for what he asked for. And God said, in effect, pain is not your name anymore. Pain is not the defining part of your life anymore, for you will be blessed because you've called out to me. And so Jabez teaches us that what, despite what we may believe about ourselves, despite our checkered family histories, that God is fundamentally and irreducibly good. And he gladly hears the prayers of anybody who will cry out to him for help. But where is God calling you to remember that? It might be that God has put a calling on your life, but for various reasons, maybe you've let it go cold or you haven't pursued it. But the Lord is saying, you know, hey, remember, I can do more than you can ask or imagine. You don't need to see how I'll do it. You can just trust that I will do it. It might be that you've gone through a really tough season of suffering and in your weariness, you feel tempted to think, well, God's not going to bless me. God's not going to come through for me. But the truth is, if God's for us, who can be against us? As Romans chapter eight puts it, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? 
So how does God change our personal stories? He reveals himself as a God of abundance who's one prayer away with the power to give us an unshakable identity in him. But he also reveals himself as a God of influence. So notice how Jabez doesn't just pray for God's blessing. He also prays that God would, quote, enlarge my territory. Enlarge my territory. Now, this is a huge, huge theme in the book of 1 Chronicles because it was written um, after a long, long period of exile for the people of God. They disobeyed the Lord, and after many, many warnings, they were taken out of Israel, kind of as an act of judgment to bring them to repentance. And then they come back, and this book is written in that context. So there's this theme of unrepentant sin, which leads to exile, and that's contrasted with a life given to God, obedient to God, which leads to his blessing, and in this context, increased influence and blessing. And so when Jabez prays, enlarge my territory, it's like he's praying, God, give me more influence, not for myself, but so that your kingdom and purposes would come to pass. He has something that, uh, that to use John Stott's phrase, not ambitions for self, but ambitions for God. John Stott put it like this. It's one of my all-time favorite quotes. He says, ambitions for self might be quite modest, but ambitions for God, if they're going to be worthy, can never be modest. There's something inherently inappropriate about cherishing small ambitions for God. How can we ever be content that he should acquire just a little more honor in the world? No. Once we're clear that God is king, then we long to see him crowned with glory and honor and accorded his true place, which is the supreme place, and we become ambitious for the spread of his kingdom and righteousness everywhere. I love that quote. And Jabez has got hold of that part of God's character and dares to ask God to further his purposes through his life, not in a small way, but in a big way. And the text is clear that God was actually honored by that request. It says Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. And maybe for you, the Lord is calling you afresh to be humbly and appropriately ambitious for his glory and kingdom. You know, I don't know what it will be for you, whether it's a new venture, a new job that feels a bit scary. It might be just taking a faith-filled step towards a vision that you believe God has given you. It might be that people are looking for you, to you at the moment for leadership and influence, but for whatever reason, you've been shrinking back from it. And perhaps the Lord is encouraging you through this reading to say, actually, you don't, don't shrink back, but instead pray with Jabez, let your hand be with me and take a step towards it in faith. God has the power to change our personal story. And he does it by revealing himself as a God of abundance and a God of influence. And ultimately, Jesus Christ is the true and better Jabez. He was called a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like Jabez, he prayed that he would be spared pain in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he obeyed his father all the way 
to the humiliation of the cross, dying for our sin and in our place, so that now we can cry out for God's blessing and know that we'll receive it. And even better, we can receive an identity that is not based on what someone else said about us or to us, is not based on what we produce, is not based on our social connections or the money in our bank account or the power we steward. Now, our, our identity is Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, sat at the right hand of the Father, so that now we can face our future knowing that he's with us. When we step into the office, when we see family and there's that tricky relationship, when um, our old way of life threatens to rear its head and take us off track, we can stay strong in who he says that we are. Shall we pray?